0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon is called, You Were Made for This. You were made for this. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is the scripture we're going to focus on today. If you've been in church, you've heard the scripture before. If you were in church last week, this is one of the scriptures that I used, that I feel like the Lord kind of wants to hone in on today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Now we don't want to take anything out of the Bible, we don't want to add anything to the Bible, but at some point I encourage you to put yourself in the Bible, So instead of, for we are his workmanship, for you are his workmanship. For Jeremiah is his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are his workmanship, which means you were created. You're his creation. Let's be a friend of the word and say it together, creation. One, two, three, creation. You are his workmanship, which means you were created. His creation, which means you're not an accident. The moment you were conceived, God went to work on you. Think about this, that when you were in your mother's belly, God had nine months, just you and him, to work on you. Psalms 139, it talks about how we were formed in the inward parts. That God was working on us, and He had nine months to make you who you were going to be. He was putting in all the giftings, all the blessings, and all the personality, and all of the things. You were His workmanship. You were created that God went to work designing a plan for you. Doesn't matter how you got here. Your parents might have said you were a mistake. But you weren't a mistake to God. Once you got here, God started working. Which means that you're meaningful to Him. You're His workmanship. You've been... In his workshed that he's been working on and putting tools and doing this and doing that. And in Jeremiah, it talks about how he has a plan, a hope, a future. God has life and he wants your life to be more and abundantly more than what you're experiencing right now. He's been working on you, which means that you're meaningful to him which means with God's plan, with God's purpose, with God's design, it means that you are meaningful to the time, the place, and the family that you have been put in for such a time as this. God does not make an accident. God does not go, whoops, didn't see that person fall through the cracks. Hope they figure it out. No, 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 you're his workmanship. You're his creation. He's working on you. He's been working on you. He's working on your future. And he's hoping that you hear his voice led by his spirit to walk down that future and that plan and that purpose that he has for you. Designed at the very beginning when we go back to Genesis to see God's intent when he created you as his creation. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And then look what he does for them. Let them have dominion over everything, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. Let's be honest, there's a lot of creeps out there. He says we have dominion over them. So how does this look What does God do when he wants to make man, when he wants to make creation in his image, in his likeness? Does he call the angels? Does he do a couple claps and say, go make a prototype angels and bring something back to me? Go figure it out? No, no, no. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. You are his workmanship. He formed him. He got dirt under his fingernails, formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man and woman became, you became a living being. That God put his hands on you, started working. He needs this nose. She needs this ear. She needs this idea. I'm going to put this in for her, this dream, this vision. You see, over the last week, we were doing a, a, some type of fair at some school this week, and, and we had to make a bunch of cookies for our baking business on the side. I say it's on the side, but I did a bunch of it today or this week. So we made five batches of Macs, and if you'd like to buy some, we are selling them still. And there's something uniquely finicky about these cookies. You have to measure them precisely. You have to mix them precisely. You have to mold them precisely. And you do all of these steps and you do all of these things. The temperature in the house has to be right. You have to do all of these things and you put them in the oven. And then you find out if you messed up the cookies or not when you open the oven. And after an hour or two of working on these cookies and this batter and all the piping and all the things, you open that thing and the cookies are cracked. The cookies are disheveled and not the right size or shape. The cookies are burned out. And me and my wife as the creators of those cookies, our hearts break. After all that work, after all those things that we've done, all of a sudden these cookies are broken but I can't fix them. I can't pull them out of the oven and put them back into powder and liquid form and re-pipe them and do all those things they are what they are. So now I just have to hide them. <laughs> I've got to put makeup on the pig. Got to cover them. Not with makeup, but with icing. Just extra and extra icing on these cookies. Because I can't fix the creation that was broken. You see, God formed you, and he created you as the perfect being with Adam and Eve. But all of a sudden, Adam and Eve sinned, and they became cracked. They became disheveled. They became burned out. And what they did is they went and hid in the bushes from God. His creation, his workmanship, his perfection is now hiding from him and running from him. But God is a good God. Amen? And he wouldn't leave us in that way that Adam caused. God created you in his own image. And he wanted to return you back to that original design. In 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We were talking about the first Adam and the last Adam. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through a bunch of men, a whole bunch of generations of sinning, That over time and period, peace and history, God finally got tired of it and said, no, 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 we're kicking you out the garden. No, no, no. This is how much God hates sin. This is how much God can't be around sin. This is the separation that happens when sin enters in. Therefore, just as through one man's sin of stealing a piece of fruit from God, sin entered the world. And sin was not alone. Sin brought his friends, his mean friends. And because sin entered the world, death came with him. Hey, buddy, I'm coming with you. Death through sin. And not only did death come with sin, that death spread to all men. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, God created us in his image. God created us in his image. Likeness, but Adam broke that and there was a separation and God could have said there was just Adam there was just Eve God could have said hey guess what guys I'm going to go ahead and just kill y'all be quiet and I'm going to start over over here and pretend like nothing happened it's okay we'll put sin back in the box we'll figure this out it's okay that's not what happened though creation had now been broken and God says, I'm going to fix it. And so God decided to create a recreation to help us come back to the relationship. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, look at this, he is a new creation. The old creation has passed away. Behold, All things have become new. Not only did God create you in his likeness, in his his image, he also decided and made a way to create a recreation to bring you back. We tried to hide. We tried to fix it. We tried to do all these good works. We try and figure out how we can get closer to God. And God says, don't worry about it. I've already figured out a way to get closer to you by sending my son. You are his creation when you become aware that you're not here by happenstance but by design it'll help you focus that life is truly meaningful your days every day is now meaningful in this life that you have been created you are his workmanship he has designed you he has prepared a plan for you You might not be in the perfect plan right now, but it says in the scriptures in Psalms 23 that even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it says that his rod and his staff will comfort you. If we have given ourselves over to God, then God will just take his rod and staff and nudge you along. Maybe you shouldn't be there. Maybe you need to stop doing this. Maybe you should start doing that. Hey, what if you do this? What if you go there? And God's rod and his staff is moving you down the future that he has planned for you. Now you, having free will, can buck and run and do whatever you want. You can be like Jonah and run away. But aren't you thankful that God will send a whale to swallow you up and he'll move you quickly? I don't know how long Jonah was running, but it just... It took a three-day trip for that whale to get him right back to the city and the gate and spit him up right there. He brought him right back in. The correction can happen immediately. God, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going, but I need your help. And God will make a way where there seems to be no way because you are his creation and he's still working on you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus For good works. When you got in Jesus, your whole life got bigger. Your whole world expanded. You now have a capacity to receive what God has for you. He created you and he increased your capacity. Let's be a friend of the word capacity. One, two, three. Capacity. Capacity. He created you for good works. He expanded you. We talk about this all the time, how the scriptures tell us we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. We go from grace to grace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Look at the limitlessness that God is exposing us to. Look at the capacity that is being expounded upon when you say yes to Jesus. I am can do a few things. Just hope, God, I can do one or two things before I get to heaven for you. I can do all things through Christ. In my own life, in my own way, I can't do much. My wife is here. She can tell you that I can do most things wrong. But with God's help, I can do all things. I can do good works because he's the one that strengthens me. He's the one that encourages me. He's the one that expands my capacity to receive what he needs to give me to help me on my day-to-day, to help me on my journey. I believe it's in Ephesians where Paul is praying at the beginning of writing, where he says that he's praying for wisdom and revelation to be released among the people. I might not understand the Bible, I might not understand the scriptures, I might not understand what the pastor is saying, but in Christ, I have a capacity to understand and receive what God is trying to tell me, what God is trying to teach me, what God is trying to show me. In Christ, your capacity has increased. Being in Christ, the message that Paul brought to people, the mystery which has now been revealed, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Christ is not just on the side of me. Christ is not just next to me. Christ is just not up in heaven. Christ is in me and he's my hope to glory, to increase my capacity to hope, to increase my capacity to have faith that God is going to show up in this situation and he's going to turn all things for good. Being in Christ, the hope of glory, who is limitless, allows you the capacity to receive anything from him. To receive anything from him. That I am open and available to receive anything from him. Mark 11, verse 24, Jesus writes earlier in Mark eleven twenty two. he tells us, have faith in God. And then he says in eleven twenty four, therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you might have them. Hopefully, fingers crossed you'll have them. You will have them. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray. An increase in capacity. God is a limitless God and he's putting that limitlessness on his people. Ask what you want and I'll give it to you. In Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, Jesus is speaking again, and look at the restriction that God puts on his people. Look how he holds back his people when he's saying, you come talk to me. Ask, and it will be given to you. Well, that doesn't sound like a restriction. Seek, and you will find. Well, no, that doesn't sound like a restriction either. Knock, and I'm, if I'm not busy, I might open the door for you. At the hotel, if I have the little slip on the front door, God says, don't bother me now. Come knock later, and then maybe I'll open it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Capacity. God's a limitless God. Therefore, he expects his sons and daughters to believe him to be just as limitless as well. It says in the scriptures, it doesn't say in the scriptures, it says in my notes, I apologize. I guess it does say in the scriptures as well. He's given you the mind of Christ. His spirit has been placed inside of you. He's made you a new creation. He's made you alive. We kind of talked about it last week when you say, do you really, pastor, expect and give people the freedom to ask God for anything? Do you know what door you are opening up? But we have to understand that it says in the scriptures that God will give you the desires of your heart. That you are in Christ. And God did all of these things to transform you. Now it says in the scriptures that in your heart is nothing but evilness. It says in the Old Testament. But that's your old heart. He's made you a new creation. So all of a sudden you say, well, I don't, I don't want to ask God for too much. What if I ask God for the wrong thing? I understand that. I hear that. But can you trust your God enough who gave you the mind of Christ, who put his spirit inside of you, who says that Jesus is your mediator, he's seated at the right hand, he's interceding for you, he says that he made you alive, he took you out of darkness, he conveyed you into the light in the kingdom of his presence, you are no longer an enemy of God, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, can you just trust that that God will let you ask the appropriate prayers And that you're not going to just ask some crazy prayer that God's going to be like, I can't believe he asked that. He did all this work. You are his creation. He did all this work on you. But so many people, after they allow God to work on them, after they say yes to Jesus, they fall into this shell. Kind of prideful, but we call it being humble. I don't want to ask God for too much. Just enough. If there's sickness in my body, God, take all the sickness out of My body has the capacity to receive all the healing that you can give to me. I know the sins that I've done in my life. And God, expand my capacity to receive all the forgiveness that you can dump on me. It says that your mercies are new every morning. I need capacity every day for your mercies, for your grace, for your love. God, expand me for good works. He's expanded you to receive so much more than what you are receiving right now. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus is talking with the woman at the well. This woman is a half Jew and is a woman. There's no reason that Jesus should be talking to this woman from a cultural standpoint. But Jesus doesn't care about your culture. Jesus operates outside your culture. Because he's in the people business. And he goes and he loves on this woman. And he's talking to this woman. And look as he starts expanding her capacity and teaching us about an expansion of capacity. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water from the well that she was getting from will Again, before Jesus, your capacity is so small and so limited and you try and fit and figure out what you can do to make that hole in your heart disappear. Some people use drugs. Some people use all these things in the world to try and meet an eternal need with a temporary fix. And sometimes they overuse that temporary fix to bring them into eternity that they were never designed to go. And God is standing there talking to this woman at the well. And as he's talking to her and encouraging her and preparing her, he's expanding her capacity. He says, if you drink of this water, you'll be thirsty again. But let me show you, if you become a part of me, what can happen to your life. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst again. Now, right there, we can say, praise God. That's a a good God. I drink of this water, I'll never thirst again. But God is an abundant God. God is a good God. God is a God of expanding capacity of more than enough. And he continues on. But the water that I shall give him will become in him not a trickle, but a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at the capacity of her saying, you can just take one cup of water and you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink of me, not only will you never thirst again, but then that water will turn into a fountain inside of you where you can go and feed other people as well. Expand your capacity. He expanded you so that you could receive the Holy Spirit. You could receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You could receive the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's been expanding your capacity for good works. He's been working on you. He created you and expanded your capacity. What if we just believed that in Christ anything is possible and He is limitless? Rather than us believing our circumstance? Rather than believing brother whoever or sister whoever who said, well, I prayed once and he didn't answer, so I don't know. Rather than believing our circumstance, rather than believing our current situation, what if we just believe that God is who he said he was and God's going to do what he's been saying time and time and time again through these scriptures? But somehow we get so caught up in ourselves. We get so caught up in our situation we get so caught up in our world that we shrink our capacity. God, if it's your will, and you could heal me. I'll just keep struggling with this. I'll just keep dealing with this. I'll just keep fighting this. No, no, no. God's a limitless God, and he's just asking you to believe one more time. Stretch out a little bit more. Believe that scripture one more time. Pray one more prayer. It says in the scriptures, as Samson, he gets captured after they shaved his head, said they plucked his eyes out. They put him pushing a mill in jail in chains. He's an embarrassment to his family. He's an embarrassment to his town. He's an embarrassment to his country. He's an embarrassment to his God. This judge who was killing Philistines, ripping doors off of cities, doing all these mighty works, and now he's chained up. And it says that they brought him out for a Philistine party to celebrate their Philistine God. And he's standing there, and he's got chains, and he's got one of the servant boys next to him. And they're all laughing at him, and they're all poking fun at him, and they're laughing at his situation. And he asks the little servant boy to put my hands on the two pillars right here. And it says that he prayed a prayer. And it said in the scriptures that his hair started growing back. And he prayed a prayer, God, one more time, increase my capacity to where I can destroy these Philistines. I can destroy these enemies. I can destroy this circumstance or situation that has surrounded me for so long. Increase my capacity one more time. And it says that he pushed down the pillars and that temple fell and killed more Philistines in that one moment that he had in his entire life. Increase your capacity. Believe that God is working on you and building you up for something bigger than where you are even right now. Amen? Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Your capacity is limitless in Christ. For in him, look at this as a definition of Jesus' capacity. For in Jesus dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's a lot of capacity that Jesus has. Would we agree? That's a pretty big statement. All the fullness of the Godhead in his body. Look at verse 10. And you are complete in him. And so, if he's limitless, if his capacity is so big to co- contain all of that, now that I'm in him, how much capacity do we have? Who is the head of all principality and powers? You are complete. In him. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You're complete in him. Pastor, you don't know who I am. According to Jesus, you're complete in him. He took on all your sin so that you could take on all his righteousness. You are complete in him. In the last part of the scripture, let's finish with this. Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. For we are his workmanship, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to encourage you and remind you today that you can live the Christian life. You have the capability to live the Christian life. Let's be a friend of that word as well. Capability, one, two, three. Capability. You have the capability to live a Christian life. Ephesians 2.10 It says, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in good works. God created you. He created the capacity for you to receive those good works and he gave you the capability to walk in those good works and to do those good works. But why do I still sin? Why do I still struggle? Well, we live in a fallen world. See, it's not hard to live a Christian life. What it's hard is to live a double life, to walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit. That's where it gets hard. It's hard to live in two different worlds, but it says in here that God has given you the ability and the capability to live a good life. Last week, I think it was the 31st and August 1st, Major League Baseball In the middle of the season, they have uh, the the trading deadline where you can trade all these people throughout the year up until August 1st at like 4 o'clock, and then the trade deadline stops. And so there is a pitcher. There's a couple of pitchers that are out there and players that are are well-known. But there was one pitcher that was pitching for the Detroit Tigers. And he, the Detroit Tigers, were trying to trade him to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And as they were trying to trade him to the Dodgers, his agent called the Dodgers and called Detroit and says he has a no-trade clause for 10 different teams. And one of those teams is the Los Angeles Dodgers. So therefore, he's denying the trade and he's not going to go. And it's weird because the Dodgers are leading their division with the most wins. And he said, I don't want to go. And that there's something unique in these older players' contracts that include a no trade clause. That they can decide if they're going to go and do that or they're not going to go and do that. Having the capability of Jesus inside of you, you have the capability to say no to sin. You have the capability, the power, the authority, and the unction inside of you to say no to sin. God has given you that. He's created you, He's expanded your capacity, and He's given you the capability to say no to sin. I'm not going to do that anymore. You on your own are going to fall into that rut again and again and again. Paul talks about it. Remember when he writes, oh, wretched man that I am? This is Paul, the apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians ever to walk the earth outside of Jesus. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I keep doing them. Now, we could sit there and say, well, if Paul's got that, what luck does it have for me? But that's not where Paul leaves us. He tells us that we shouldn't be the victim because we're the victor. That he's empowered us to overcome sin. That God sent Jesus to this earth for the sole purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And if I am in Christ, then that means I have the power to destroy the works of the devil even in my own life. Philippians chapter 2. No, I'm sorry. Go up to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Look at this. I say then, Paul tells us, I say then, walk in the Spirit. All right. And what happens if I walk in the Spirit? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Boy, that's exciting. The capability. If I just walk in the Spirit, if I'm just led by the Holy Spirit, if I just spend time with God, if I just get closer to God then I get further away from sin. God hates sin, so if I get closer to God and sin can't be around God, but I'm around God, then therefore the sin in my life can't be around me. Look at verse 16, 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Oh boy, it does. And the spirit against the flesh. And look at these. These are contrary to one another. We know that. We deal with that every day. Driving to and from work, going to the grocery store, sitting in line at a fast food place, dealing with our spouses, dealing with our kids, that they're contrary to one another. I should love my wife. I should respect my wife. But sometimes I'm a jerk to my wife, contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So if I choose one, I'm going to do less of the other. That's what it says. If I choose to be in the Spirit, if I choose to be closer to God, then I'm going to do less sinning. That sounds like a win. But the opposite is just as true. When you come on this side and you give over to the lust of the flesh, when you give over to that sin, when you're not spending as much time with God as you should... And all of a sudden, the world starts falling apart because the wages of sin is death. It only leads you to death. There is no fun at the end of the rainbow. He created you and expanded your capacity in Christ to help you be fully capable to do good works. Last scripture I have Philippians chapter 2, 13, 14, and 15. For it is God, we used this scripture last week as well, for it is God who works in you both to will. And to do for his good pleasure. I was gonna skip over this scripture, but I'm sorry. So it, it, you're not gonna be happy about it, but here we go. Do all things without complaining and disputing. I had a conversation with God before I put this scripture in here. I said, God, can we alter that a little bit? I looked at different translations. My God, even when my wife asked me to take out the trash, I can complain a little bit, right? I mean, you know what she's asking, right? Do all things without complaining and disputing. All right, God, we're working on that. Keep doing that. Verse 15, let's get through that one real quick. That you may become, look at this. If we walk in the flesh, nope, if we walk in the spirit, (laughs) if we walk in the spirit, (laughs) it's a test. (laughs) I'm failing. If we walk in the spirit, look. That you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault. Look at this. In the midst, in the middle of everybody else sinning around you. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Boy, does that ring true today. Paul talked about that many, many moons ago. And it's still revenue. Look, among whom you shine as a light in the world. You have the capacity inside of you and the capability To not only receive good works from God, but walk in those good works so that you can become blameless, shameless, harmless, without fault, and be a light in the middle of a crazy generation. But it's going to take faith on your part to activate that capability to do good works. Because you're going to walk out of here and you're going to try and back up and somebody's going to try and pull off right in front of you you're going to say, blah, blah, blah. Your belly's hungry. And your wife says, Hey, can we stop by the store real quick? I didn't cook anything. And you're, blah, blah, blah. I'm, just, I'm complaining already. You're going to have opportunity this week. It's going to take faith on your part to say, No, no, no. God has created me. He's given me good works. And I have the capability to walk in those good works. I'm going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. There is so much more to you than you realize. There's so much more to you in your life than you realize. And thankfully, we have the Bible here to help us realize so we do not walk in ignorance. God gave us the life manual to walk in his truth so we don't walk in ignorance. You have been created by God Almighty who's given you a capacity beyond your own and given you the capability to walk this walk talk this talk, and live this life for his good works. Everything you do now in him is meaningful. You were made for this. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you. We thank you that these people here today were made for such a time as this. You created them. You molded them in their mother's womb. Some a couple of years ago, some many, many decades ago. You worked on them in, your, in their mother's womb, Father. It doesn't matter their age. Father, you still have a plan. You still have a purpose. You still have something for them to do on this earth. They are meaningful to this earth, to this place, to this community, to their family. They are meaningful. They were created for such a time as this. They were made for this moment, Father. And I thank you as we say yes to you. You said yes to us. And you've increased our capacity to receive your presence, to receive your forgiveness, to receive whatever gifts, blessings, or correction that you want to give to us to help us on this journey through life. You have increased our capacity. You've increased us to experience the good work that you want us to do here, Father. And I thank you, even now, that you're giving them the capability the capability to walk out those good works, the capability to find that path and that plan that you have for them, to be who you've called them to be. No longer are they slaves. No longer are they enemies. No longer are we foreigners of God. Father, we are, yes, your servants. Yes, we are your disciples. Yes, we're even your friends, but there's something so much more personal that you've called us to be, and that's your sons and daughters. So, Father, I thank you for your sons and daughters that are here today. I thank you that you're helping them see who they really are. See who you have really designed them to be and understand that they were made for this. Now, Father, I pray scripture over them right now to increase their faith. That, Father, it says they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now. And they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into Father, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ, that their body is the temple of the Most High God, that by Jesus' stripes they are healed, that, Father, the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. Father, I thank you that right now they are who you've called them to be and they are growing into who you've prepared them to be in this future, Father. Now, Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill. We are blameless. We are harmless, Father, that we are going to go into this perverse generation and not be a part of that generation, but be a light that dispels the darkness from this generation and from this place, Father. So, Father, bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.